so frenetic has the rate of change been that I hope I've got his name right, Imad Mustak, who's the CEO of the company that produces Stable Diffusion, an open source rival to OpenAI's DALL-E image generation software, was on Laura Koonsberg this morning. And a great deal of what he said was very sensible. But he put an interesting gloss on the letter that he and Elon Musk and many others have written, the open letter they've written about the dangers of AI by saying essentially that what they're worried about is that if you train AI on just about anything, you simply go out into the internet and you scrape every bit of information you can find, then it's fairly obvious that you're going to be scraping a lot of information that is either mistaken, malicious, corrupting, biased, or whatever else you want to call it, and that is certainly not uniformly going to be consistent with what we, I think, somewhat optimistically call the best liberal democratic standards of the, quote, Western, unquote, world. All right, that's perfectly fair comment. But one of the things that OpenAI in particular have been very concerned about ever since they were founded is to try to create ethical AI. And so it's a bit rich for the people who are not part of OpenAI to criticise implicitly them for doing exactly what they haven't been doing. In other words, just grabbing text from or information from anywhere. There are uh, training sets. Well, let me start again. You, you'll have heard me say many a time on this that they trained the chat GPT original version, in fact, all the GPT family on the same 570 gigabyte set of data. But you'll also have heard me say that it was curated data. In other words, they didn't just go and grab everything and train their AI on it. They very carefully sifted that material. I'm not, I'm not making the preposterous suggestion that they were 100% successful, but they sifted that material to try to make sure that whatever it was they ended up with was reasonably consistent with the best liberal Western democratic values. Western is always in quotes, of course. Now, that being so, why are the likes of Mustak and Musk so worried? Well, one of the reasons, of course, is because they're worried they've missed the boat to some extent. But leaving that rather cynical interpretation of their intervention aside, the problem I think that they've got is, and that they draw attention to, is that there are also uncurated data sets. And there are two levels at which you can see this. The biggest problem and the reason 
why nobody's ever going to get this technology put back in its box is that we now know how it can be done. Everybody knows. Not quite, but you know what I mean. The vast majority of anybody with any interest in it now knows how to do it. So it's a temptation to say, all right, let's see if we can do better than GPTs. Let's go out and grab more information. Let's make a much bigger training set. And there are bigger training sets already, but they're uncurated. So in those cases, you're training the chatbot on just about anything. You know, all the nonsense that was perpetrated by the supporters of Donald Trump, everything that was uh, put out by the Russians, everything put out by the Chinese, everything put out by just about anybody is available and it can all be translated in order to be usable, but it doesn't even need to be translated to be usable. You can train these models in multilingual environments and indeed many of the WISPER models are trained in multilingual environments. So you just end up with an enormous bag of uncurated and therefore unsupervised and therefore unfiltered information, a great deal of which is quite probably either malicious or just wrong. Now, I suppose I should say here that there are two kinds of wrong. There's wrong because someone deliberately makes it wrong and misinforms the kind of false fact scenario. And there's wrong because human beings are wrong. I mean, for example, if it were to turn out that, as this is not very likely, but the theories of relativity and quantum mechanics were wrong, which one day they may be seen to be, or only as a good approximation to whatever then constitutes the truth, that's not a malicious kind of wrong any more than if we put something that turns out not to be true in an O-level history syllabus, that that's a malicious kind of wrong. It's just the kind of mistake that we've always been making. So there's wrong that's deliberately wrong, and there's wrong that's inadvertently wrong, but there's still wrong. And of course, if it's wrong in the inadvertent sense, then it's quite likely wrong in every educational institution in the world, as well as the internet. Because everybody thinks it's true when it isn't. And of course, if we knew which things fell into that category, we could change things. But the problem is that we absolutely don't know which things fall into that category. So it's quite a complicated problem. And so the people at OpenAI, if one's generous, will say, well, we did our best to pick the data that we put into our 570 gigabyte training set to pick it to be right and in conformity with, consistent with, support of the values that we all hold dear. And by and large, they managed to do a pretty good job and it can't have been easy. So what Mustak and and uh, Musk and presumably Hinton and the others are worried about is that anybody can do this now. Anybody can grab anything. Anybody could, for example, deliberately grab a, a data set and make it deliberately and malignantly wrong. 
It could be a fascist data set. It could be an extreme Marxist data set. It could be any kind of data set. And then train what appears to be a benign chatbot to spout the most appalling extremist left wing, right wing and every other kind of wing nonsense. And no doubt it would fool some people some of the time, if not all of the people all of the time. And so they are worried about it. Of course, it's not a new problem. There have always been those ready to misinform. This has been not just true since the invention of social media, but since the beginning of time, when people would try to perpetrate all sorts of uh, mistaken views, or promulgate, I suppose I should be saying, all, all sorts of mistaken views in order to further their own cause. And as we've never tired of saying, those who wanted to make monarchy, kingship, emperorship, leadership a direct consequence of the will of God, as was more or less repeated in our own coronation only a couple of weeks ago, those sorts of misinformation, those sorts of telling people what is the case as if it was absolutely and universally the case, which is what saying it's the will of God really boils down to, we've always been susceptible to that kind of either mistaken or coercive untruth. The difference, and it's been a kind of gradual acceleration of difference, is that when it was only a matter of a few people and an oral tradition, it took a long time for some of these ideas to gain any foothold. Printing, no doubt, made it worse. Mass-produced printing made it worse still. The internet made it worse than that. And, no doubt, the new chat GPT and AI and social media phenomena in conjunction with one another will make it worse still. But it's not a new problem. It's just that the pace and the scale at which things will happen will be different. The CEO of Octopus, the energy company who was on Laura Kuntzberg, said that six weeks ago his company weren't using AI to answer email. And now 34% of their company's emails are replied to by a chatbot and their evidence is that their customers are perfectly happy. But that's the case. And that would take, he said, 250 people to reproduce that. And it's probably being done in the blink of an eye. So there is an implication for employment. But whether anybody other than to earn a crust really wants to sit all day answering user emails is another matter. So there is a trade-off. A trade-off between giving people a job, albeit a job that, a job that nobody in their right mind would want to do, and replacing that job with something more interesting. And as I've tried rather ineptly to say in a few of the most recent episodes, this is the real question of whether you want to be at a leaf on the tree and doing things that are worthwhile in themselves and ends in themselves, 
or whether you just see your work as a means to an end. And, to repeat, in an ideal world, we would all see the means that we use to earn our crust as being an end in itself, as something we would, if we could, gladly do for nothing, but are very happy to be paid for. And that's paradise. But of course it's not either possible, not entirely anyway, although it's become more and more possible as technology has advanced. And I would like to think, in fact I do think, that the chatbots will make it even more true because they will remove even more of the drudgery and therefore pro project us into, propel us into, a new world where people who are so minded, and this is the big question of course, people who are so minded, can earn their livings doing things that are interesting. If you say to me rather forlornly and perhaps cynically, but also perhaps to some extent realistically, that there are a great many people who aren't really interested in being interested in what they're doing, don't want to be engaged in their work. Well, that's a different question. That's a different problem. That's a problem of the way society has become. Because if there is to be any purpose to human life, and particularly a purpose that survives the development of artificial general intelligence, then we are going to have to change our ways. We are going, we're all going to have to find things to do that we enjoy doing, because the things that nobody enjoys doing will all perhaps be done by machines. Uh, well, I'll stop there. I've got another episode in my mind which I'm going to do straight away, and that will be about an illusion harking back to some of the things we've said about human intelligence and consciousness. But I think it's best put into a separate episode. Thank you for listening.